This is the Birth Village Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Birth Village Podcast. I'm Morgan. And I'm Trisha. We are back today with part two, talking about beliefs of birth. We had so many submissions um, that we decided to break it up into a two-parter. And we also have an extra special episode for you today. Just to wrap things up for Women's History Month, we wanted to give you some special episodes and a little bit of different content than normal. The reason, just to touch on this again, the reason that we are talking about beliefs is because beliefs dictate a lot of of an experience that we have and because birth is something that is so unknown yeah there's a lot of unknown about birth it's wild it is it is something that we can't uh control a lot of we can try to and we do try to control Mm -hmm. a lot about birth but because it's so wild everybody has a different experience and unfortunately, a lot of the narrative that goes out about birth is the negative experiences that people have. And so we think that it's worth addressing the beliefs that we have just to check in on if they're true, if we choose to accept those beliefs, and just kind of to have an open conversation about things that we know and share experiences with each other so that we can kind of raise each other up. Beliefs control our minds and our minds control our bodies our Mm -hmm. minds are super powerful and if we can be intentional about what we are believing then we're gonna have a lot better outcomes and that's not just about birth that's like about everything in life so Mm -hmm. we want to address the things that we believe in and address the things that you guys believe in and obviously we're not medical professionals but we have studied lots and lots about birth so we're coming at you from things that we've studied and from personal experiences and just talking with you guys about all of the things that all of us believe perfect i love it (laughs) so i guess we'll jump in we left off last time just before we started to talk about umbilical cords we I mean, I personally have heard lots of different crazy beliefs that people have about umbilical cords, and rightfully so. They're kind of unknown sometimes. I have a lot of beliefs about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about this. We'll we'll jump into talking about umbilical cords by reading this submission. She says, my husband didn't want to have any more kids after our first because his cord was wrapped twice around his neck which we didn't talk about until after my third was born. And I explained how common it is and how all providers feel for that as soon as baby's head is out. He thought it was a complication of birth. Right. Yeah, so I guess we need to understand a little bit about umbilical cords and kind of how they work Mm -hmm. to really understand why this belief would be something that someone would be afraid of or believe that it's truly a complication. Yeah. So an umbilical cord is obviously attached to the placenta and then it's attached to the baby. And this is the lifeline, you know, for our baby. Mm -hmm. So it has typically three vessels. Every once in a while you have a two-vessel cord, but it's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, So the three vessels, one's a vein and two are arteries. So the vein is pumping in all the good stuff for the baby and the arteries are pumping out the stuff that the baby doesn't need. 
And then our placenta gets rid of them. It just absorbs back into our body and then our bodies get rid of them, which is wildly amazing. So cool. In and of itself. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and the thing with umbilical cords, it's not, we call it a cord, but you know, it's like this magic transformation machine that's <laughs> pumping blood, you know, because it's, yeah. it's not a hose. It's not a cord. It can't be cut. Well, it can be cut, but <laughs> it can't be clamped inside it can't be squoze to the point that it's not going to work anymore it can't be like squoze like a heart a garden hose you know how yeah. you can um, kind of bend those and they don't shoot out any water it's not like that at all yeah. because of the fact that it ha- it's surrounded with this magic substance called wharton's jelly and when there is a tighter cord or a cord that's wrapped more i will see cords that have a lot more of this jelly-like substance in them because it's protecting, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's a lot of things built into an umbilical cord. It's the lifeline. It's not a, like a flimsy type of material. That's just like, Oh, I hope that doesn't happen or else (laughs) we're going to be in trouble. You know, that's, it's not, it's, it's just as amazing as your baby, Mm -hmm. you know, and and your baby is very resilient. And so is your baby's cord. Yeah. So, of course, um, there's going to be cords wrapped around the baby because the baby's been living in there for nine months. You don't think they're going to twizzle up a little bit with their cord? They are. Yep. I've seen babies very wrapped in a cord, and I've seen babies not wrapped at all in their cord. So, you know, there's no magic way to make that be or not be. So the fact is, and the belief that we need to have about our cord is it's we need to trust it. We need yeah. to believe that it's going to happen in the way that it needs to well okay not happen but it's going to be perform in the way it needs to perform yeah and so of course cords around the neck are very normal i was i would say one in two babies i see really in delivery it's really that common definitely and it's a freaky thing to see a cord wrapped around the neck yeah for sure because when we think about ourselves, when we see something, we internalize it and put ourselves in that position, right? Yes, absolutely. In order to kind of understand it and maybe get our bearings on it or make our belief system about it, mm-hmm. right? So when we imagine a cord being around a baby's neck, then we're like, oh, that's kind of scary. But we need to realize that the baby doesn't need their neck to not be close <laughs> because they're not getting anything through their lungs like we are yeah you know they're not breathing the same way that we do yet yeah we're they're not we're not shutting off airways yet Mm -hmm. you know until your baby's fully out that's when they take their first breath so around their neck it's like well that's fine because your baby's getting everything that it still needs because it's still attached to the placenta because the the, placenta delivers oxygen to the baby right right so the entire way that your baby has been surviving for the last nine months is exactly the way that it's surviving as it's coming through the birth canal and all the way out until they're placed on your belly when they take their first breath. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, a baby will take their first breath before then, but usually it's right as they they realize that they're on their mother and they, they're kind of shocked and they go, oh, I guess I need to start breathing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, it's just a very natural thing. So this cord around their neck, it's not blocking anything. It's not, you know, making things not work right. Mm-hmm. So that that is a belief system that you would think logically that's scary, but it's not scary at all because everything's still working the same way. Yeah. And it's just part of the process. You mm-hmm. know, your baby's coming out. It's totally fine. Sometimes the healthcare provider can move that cord out of the way. 
Sometimes it's too tight to move, so they just leave it there. And as the baby descends down more and comes out, then more cord comes out. And then yeah. they just wrap unwrap it as soon as they have the room to unwrap it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's not that big of a deal. I think understanding what a cord is and how it functions is a big part of feeling comfortable with a cord around the neck or, or whatever else mm-hmm. because we can logically look at it as an umbilical cord and not right. a rope or anything like right. that that's harming baby. Yeah. They've been hanging out with that cord the entire time. It's their best friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's address also then, Trish, delayed cord clamping because I think there's a lot that we can dig into there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might be worth having a whole episode about it later. It but do you have anything quick to say to us on this episode about beliefs regarding delayed cord clamping yes so depending on who your healthcare provider is depending on their schooling depending on what they've seen and who has has taught them is what their belief system is going to be when it comes to delayed cord clamping Mm -hmm. so when you hire a provider and you feel like you want a true delayed cord clamp then you're really going to have to ask what a delayed cord clamp means to them mm-hmm. because that's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So in my belief system, a true delay of the cord is going to be when the cord is truly done pulsating. Mm-hmm. And that is when the placenta has detached. Mm-hmm. Um, because as long as that placenta is still attached to mom, I do believe that there's still blood pumping into your baby. Now, that's up for a lot of discussion. Yeah. You know, but um, common sense tells me that when that placenta is attached, there is still blood going into that organ because it's working the same exact way as it's been working the last nine months. Why would it just right. stop? Because your baby is out of your uterus. It's not going to stop until it's done. Yeah. You know, so a cord truly does need to be white and very limp, and you can't fill. You can actually put two fingers on the cord and you can feel your baby's heartbeat in the cord. That's so, so cool. Yeah. You can feel the, the pulsing of the cord. So, I mean, there's that if you truly want it all in, you know, and they do say one third of the baby's blood is still in that cord, um, or being received when the baby's born. Mm-hmm. So we need to give it at least a good five minutes, you know, like mm-hmm. if we're in the hospital, if we can get five minutes, we're going to be really lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not because they're like, we want your cord blood. <laughs> That's not it at all. I mean, they're, they're just doing their job. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to get done with the job that's in front of them. And that move means things along. Yeah. They got to move on to the next room or to the next job that they have to do and they don't really have the time to just sit around and enjoy the birth of your baby now every once in a while I see a a provider at the hospital do that and that's really nice sometimes they even walk out of the room really just tell the nurse yeah call me back when her placenta is ready to come out because when a woman is physiologically birthing she knows when her placenta is coming out Mm -hmm. she can feel it she can feel her body trying to get rid of it just like she can feel her body get rid of her baby i didn't mean to say it like that like <laughs> get rid of but releasing and letting go Birth, um, yeah she'll be able to feel it so but when a woman's medicated obviously she won't be able to feel it as much mm-hmm. she might feel a little bit of pressure but um but yeah so it's there's a lot having to do with that delayed cord clamp and i just i see a lot 
more than I feel like some healthcare providers in the hospital see because I, I stay with the parents, you know, for an hour or so after birth at the hospital. And then I come and visit them three to four days later um, or sooner if they want me to, but I'm in constant phone contact, like texting mm-hmm. if they need me. And from what I've seen is a baby who really does get more of that blood or all of their blood. Um, these babies just seem to act nicer. Yeah. <laughs> they breastfeed ba- better. They, um, their temperature stays better longer. They don't have to go into the warming station as much, you know, um, they, there's less jaundice that I see when a baby gets all of their yeah. blood, which would make sense. You know, I mean, these are stem cells, you guys, they're, it's, it's not just like you're just drawing blood and like shooting it into a baby. Like these are stem cells, right? newborn stem cells that are very, very amazing. They're, they can, they have an ability to grow things the way that no other blood can do. Right. You know, so this isn't just like normal blood, like, oh, it's fine. Like they're going to make more blood because we're all making blood as we speak. But Which is true. Like a baby can recover and and recover all their blood volume but imagine just that added benefit of not having to recover right from that blood loss right right and they're not taking that into consideration because like i said these these medical professionals are on to the next one you Mm -hmm. know they're not there to to witness yeah (laughs) you know and to make sure that you know the next few steps are going well for you they their step is done and so they're done yeah and that's might be harsh to say, but I mean, it, it's just, it is what it is. Yeah. So, so if we can get the more blood that we can get from our babies, um, bloodline, their, their uterus, not their uterus, <laughs> <laughs> their umbilical cord, just the blood that's in the umbilical cord. If that can just get into them, like that would just be so much be- more beneficial. But like I said, at least five minutes, you're going to, see better results if you have a provider that will let it it just happen and let the placenta come out and then let the cord be cut as soon as the placenta is out do you know then i in my opinion in my belief system that's ideal yeah but um you know we can't get everything yeah i want so um i've i've personally heard providers say that it doesn't do anything like it's not helpful it's not beneficial there's no reason to allow the cord to you know, give the baby the blood volume and and finish pulsing and everything. And I think that there is a difference between there are no benefits Mm -hmm. and there are hardly any risks where is it okay if you clamp and cut the cord right away? Sure. Right. Lots and lots and lots and lots of babies are born every single day and get their cords clamped right away and it's fine. But from all the research that I did preparing for my own birth, there are a lot of benefits mm-hmm. to allowing that baby to get their blood volume and, and allowing the placenta to finish delivering all of the nutrients that that, that baby deserves to have. It, it belongs to right. the baby. So will it be fine? Yes. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's just, there's a lot of benefits that we could be missing out on because of, it's it's amazing all of the stuff that's in there. Right. For sure, yeah. Okay, we had a lot of submissions talking about C-sections, mm. and that's a pretty hot topic. Of course, one in three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, ooh, let's start with just reading 
some of these. I think I'll read a couple and then we can address we can address them. Um, we have some people say if you have one C-section, you have to have all your births via C-section. Is false, actual, <laughs> right. true, false. That's so false. Don't um, let anyone tell you that. It, please don't let anyone tell you that. We have someone else say, I think it's crazy that a healthy, low-risk mama has a higher chance of C-section with her first baby than a VBAC does. Clearly, we're doing some things wrong. We had someone else say, my mom had three C-sections. My mother-in-law had two C-sections. When I became pregnant, I prepared like crazy, reading everything I could and taking classes. Despite my preparations, I've now had two C-sections. After learning about the mind-body connection, I think I had a deeply buried and hidden beliefs that women's bodies were designed to have babies, but maybe mine was flawed somehow. My mom frequently says, we just don't make having babies easy in our family. And this belief was deeply rooted in me. I'm now pregnant again. And now recognizing these hidden beliefs has been the first step in changing my mindset. Be back. Here I come. Awesome. Good for you. Really yeah. cool. Um, I, I've heard a lot of things too. And, and I'm, these are just some of the submissions we've had. We've had a lot of people say, you know, that VBACs are dangerous or, or whatever. There's like tons of people needing to talk about C-sections, mm -hmm. maybe so much so that we'll address that again in a separate episode because it's a huge conversation to be had. Yeah. But there was another submission too that I'm, I'm losing track of it now. I can't find it, but talking about, um, that they had heard the reason that C-sections are so common are because we, because of evolution. Mm. Now that we walk upright, that our pelvises are smaller and whatever. And there's so many beliefs about, about C-sections and about women not being able to have their babies. And that's a pretty big bummer, I think, right. because we're so capable if we can wrap our minds around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was... This is a really hard one for me because obviously, you know, working with women for so many years, I've seen some C-sections yeah. and, and understandably agreed with, you know, with the information that we had at that moment, why a C-section was going to be the best idea. Mm -hmm. um, but it still doesn't take away the why, why me, what if, you know. So this is one of those things where we can have a lot of beliefs about because of our experience yeah and I have a lot of beliefs about them because of my experiences exactly you know so I'm not sitting over here going there's no way that we should be having this many because I don't know you know because the ones I've been a part of I go okay yeah right I agree but the bottom line I mean we're talking about v-backs right so we we've had a c-section but now we're pregnant with another baby and we want to have a vaginal birth. So there's a lot of reasons why doctors will say, yeah, you're a good candidate or yeah, you're not a good candidate. But it doesn't really matter what they say. It's up to you. You know, someone put on the group me the other day. Did you notice that? They said, uh, who's a good VBAC doctor? And I just yeah. laughed because I'm like, it's not about the doctor. Yeah. It's about the woman. Yeah. It's about her. It's about what what preparation that she's put in. What and preparation is 
hugely important. You yes. have to be low risk. You have yes. to have a really healthy pregnancy. Yeah. And if something comes up, then you probably are a good candidate for another C-section. Mm-hmm. But until that something comes up, you know, then we have to be the ones in charge of what, what we're choosing and, and what we're asking for. And if our doctor is saying absolutely not, then we can find another doctor mm-hmm. that's saying, yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you a try. I'll let you, mm-hmm. you know, um, at least to have a trial of labor. Yes. Because there are so many benefits to having a trial yes. of labor. Even yeah. if you're going to have a C-section, it's really healthy to let your body go into labor. You, yeah. You'll probably have an easier time breastfeeding. You'll probably have an easier recovery. So right. even if you have to have multiple right. C-sections, it's really good to go into labor. Yeah. So yeah, obviously our opinion is that it is definitely a good idea to go yeah. into labor. And with the thought in your mind that you're definitely going in for this trial of labor, but you're doing everything possible to get a vaginal birth. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately you're the one who makes the call at the end that says, I'm going to continue this as long as both mom and baby are okay. Mm -hmm. But as soon as one of them is not okay, then that's when we say, okay, yeah, let's go back to the OR. Yeah. Which a lot of healthcare providers don't want to deal with that. They want to just schedule it and take care of it and not have to, you know, but that's really, that's taking away your power. That's taking away your right to choose. And if you're choosing to go in for that scheduled section, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Totally. But just make sure you're making a, an educated, informed decision when you're choosing that. Mm-hmm. Because really the only risk of a, a VBAC is they are worried about your uterus rupturing, meaning the scar that you had from your previous C-section um, coming apart during labor. So... Typically, they will not give a mom that's a VBAC any type of cytotec or Pitocin because it's really intense on your uterus. And, you know, in the 90s, they were doing that all the time. <laughs> really? They were giving the Pitocin and cytotec? Mm-hmm, because they didn't know. But then they were seeing so many bad outcomes that they're like, hey, maybe we should back up on, on that. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty rare that a mom will have it. Every once in a while, I hear a VBAC mom story that says, yeah, they gave me Pitocin and everything was okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it just, I guess it just depends on the situation and the doctor and your baby and you, you know, so we don't know, but typically they're not going to give you any and they typically are not going to induce you either because mm-hmm. they, they, it's not safe. Yeah. You know, the Pitocin really is pretty harsh to your uterus and they don't want to cause that rupture. From what I, I've heard that VBACs are safer the fewer cesareans that you've had well yeah they would if you can imagine your uterus this muscle that's stretching and carrying a baby Mm -hmm. and the more babies you have the more stretched it becomes yeah and obviously the more cuts into it and healing processes into it obviously is going to cause more area of that uterus that could be weak weak yeah so so yeah, it, it definitely is a lot easier to ask for that trial of labor after one. Mm-hmm. But depending on the, the reason why you had that second C-section is depending on, you know, like I'll say, yeah, for sure, let's go for this because, oh, you had that medical issue that made you have to have the C-section. So this time, let's keep you really healthy, do everything in your power possibly to make sure your body was able to carry this baby to term and go into labor on its own. Mm-hmm. And then of course, like our, our uterus is just so smart. It yeah. knows what to do. Yeah. Um, 
every once in a while I will see a V-back. Um, the front of their cervix doesn't come up as quickly as the back because, I mean, if you think about it, you know, it has been cut. Like all of those muscle fibers has been, you know, damaged, if you will. And so sometimes a V-back does take a little bit longer to fully dilate, mm-hmm. but that's okay. We're being patient as long as mom and baby are okay. Mm-hmm. We're just going to be as patient as possible. Yeah. So what are some of the health issues that you're saying that you've seen C-sections happen because of, of health issues? Um, yeah. So like a mom who is has hypertension, mm-hmm. um, really high blood pressure, um, a mom, and it's just hard for her to go into labor on her own a mom who is starting to show signs of preeclampsia, meaning like a um, protein in her urine, high blood pressure, super, super swollen moms. Um, so her body is obviously not liking this pregnancy mm-hmm. and it's doing all of these things to say, we want to be done. Mm-hmm. And so this mom, it's hard to just sit back and wait for her body to do what we know physiologically it's going to do eventually, but because she's having all of these health issues, it's like, hey, we have to kind of weigh out the benefits mm-hmm. and the risk. And is it riskier to wait or is it riskier to do the C-section? And mm-hmm. that's kind of a personal decision. So, yeah. so, you know, it's a hard call. It's a really hard call. But I always want to empower a mom to, you know, do her research, do all the things, um, do all the prep work not only mental, but your whole body, your physical, your, your emotional, your spiritual, like, yeah, just because if you're doing all of that work and we still end up in another C-section, imagine how much better you're going to feel after that C-section because you did the work. It's not like you failed. It's like, Oh, I did all this work so I can feel better after. Right. And it's easier for me to accept like, man, even after all of this work and it's still, I still ended up with that C-section. I'm I'm just so happy that we have medical technology that can yeah. can promise me that me and my baby well not promise but <laughs> a really good outcome. You know. Well, when we heard a testimonial of that from Barbie Fenn, right? And just how even though she was she was super devastated after her second C-section, yeah. and she was super happy after her third because she maintained her control, right? And she was the one that said, okay, it feels like this is the right thing to do now. Mm -hmm. So I think that's pretty important. Yeah. And how she talked about focusing on gratitude. I love that so much. I loved that. Yeah, because she just really took her own power and made it work for her instead of just being sad and and asking the questions why, which I'm sure she did a couple times. But, you know, birth is a transformative experience. Yeah. And it's going to transform you whether you're ready for it to or not. Yes. And so when we're prepared for that transformation, we're going to come out of it so much easier no matter what happened in our birth. Mm -hmm. But if we're not prepared for that transformation, we could feel very devastated. Yes. With an outcome. Yes. And that's my goal for my clients is we're going to come out of it better. Mm-hmm. no matter what happens no in matter the, the outcome yeah, yeah exactly I think something else to touch on is that no no two births are the same mm-hmm. so just because your mom had a c-section does not mean that you are going to have to have a c-section mm-hmm. because even the same woman 
can have two births that are completely, completely different. And uh, again, this is kind of coming back to, we need to be careful what narrative we're spreading. Mm -hmm. Um, If we're, you know, only spreading the the bad stories and the terrible stories. That's why everybody's so scared. That's what our, that's what our TV shows and movies are telling us. And Mm -hmm. that's what our friends and family are telling us too, about how scary birth is. Then yeah, you're going to go into it feeling scared. Well, yeah. And Morgan, imagine these moms passing this story along. She wants to be validated in her story. Exactly. And so when the same story happens on her daughter, can you imagine the validation that she feels? Yeah, she feels, it, yep, that like, just must yep, be what we're mm-hmm. dealing with. I know. I That's why I told you that, sweetie. You know, and I'm not saying that to be harsh or mean. And she's Aww. not being that way at all. I'm just saying that's that's human. <laughs> yeah, it's totally human, but it is something to be careful yes. of. Yeah. Yeah, we need to change that narrative for our daughters 100%. Yeah. So. Definitely. Mm-hmm. We had another submission say that she had heard someone believe that high-risk moms can't have a beautiful birth experience. And I think that ties in really well with the C-section topic that we're addressing. Definitely. When when we say that someone can or can't have something, then we need to shut our mouths because <laughs> it has nothing to do with us. Yeah. You know, if you're a high-risk mom and you're saying that, then, hey, let's talk. Because yes, you can. Birth is beautiful no matter what. Mm-hmm. Birth is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's the coolest thing that a woman's body can do. Yeah. You know, like it's really? amazing. And I don't, you know, we do have a lot more high risk moms these days because mm-hmm. of the way our society chooses to live. And I'm not blaming anyone. You it's know, just it's just the, the way, way that it, it is. is. Yeah. And so I truly believe that one in three um, C-section rate versus the one in five that was happening 20 years ago, I do believe it has a lot to do with our health. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And and I'm not trying to shame anyone for their health because I've had very unhealthy times in my life and, and you know, I'm not being ignorant to that. But I am saying that we have so many amazing resources now in our day and age about health and I mean, just throwing this one out there, just ingredients, you know, yeah. like her Instagram started out, I don't know how many years ago, just watching like the, this or that, but she is so valued in her opinion and she's just an Instagram mom, yeah. you know, but she's really trying to change this narrative. Like, well, I did it 20 years ago and I'm just fine. Well, the products that are on their shelves today versus 20 years ago are totally different products. Yeah. So we have to acknowledge that we're living in a very unhealthy society. Yes. And it's creating a lot of problems when it comes to our bodies in general, but especially when we're trying to make a baby in our body with Mm -hmm. all of these other issues. So, And some problematic ingredients and things like that that are in our foods and in our products take let's say 20 years to see side effects because it's through multiple generations. So just because like you said just because such and such a thing was fine 20 years ago that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that it's necessarily okay right right so we really have to take that back into our own court into our own personal um whatever life and say what what do i want for me what feel what feels good to me 
in my class, in my nutrition part of my class, I used to talk all about what Dr. Brewer's diet is Mm because that's the diet that Bradley Method talks about. And, you know, they came together 50 years ago or whatever and came up with what they thought was the best diet for a pregnant woman. And I think it's great. And it's there in the book still. And I still talk about it. And I have a book that goes along with it as well. But I, I talk more about intuitive eating. I, I say, eat the food that you normally eat, but just take a note about 30 minutes after you eat. How do you feel? Yeah. If you feel great, that's probably something that's working for you. But if you have any type of side effect, like bloating, headache, really tired, not feeling well, that's probably something that you should steer clear from. Yeah. Because your body knows. Your body's trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that goes for all types of illness and sickness. You know, our body is trying to tell us something. And usually just by changing what we eat, we can make our body be more healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard reality for some people to understand. It is because it's hard to take responsibility, but it's necessary to take that responsibility for your own health. If you do want to have a certain type of birth or you want to maintain control over your life as much as possible you have to take responsibility for your health. Yes, 100%. So being a high-risk mom may not be just because of her BMI, her body mass index, or, you know, something like that, but it could be, you know, like a bad pancreas, or I don't know, yeah. <laughs> just throwing something right. out there. But, um, but yeah, she is definitely the one having to take responsibility. But unfortunately, we do have high-risk moms sometimes, and, yeah, she can have a beautiful birth experience because... Mm-hmm she's the one that's in control of it and she can call a lot of the shots. Maybe she's not going to be able to call all of them, but she can ask for her baby on her skin right after her birth. She can ask for so many things that will make this a quote unquote ideal or quote unquote beautiful birth. Mm -hmm. Of course, a high risk mom can have that. Yes, absolutely. It's just up to her. It's just up to her. Hey, I also wanted to mention, speaking of VBACs, um, if you don't follow the VBAC link, that's the name on Instagram, they have so many great resources and testimonials and questions and answers. Anyway, if you're a VBAC mom or know someone who is, share this, the VBAC link on Instagram with her because it's awesome. They also have a podcast, so. I'll put that in the show notes too. Perfect. All right, Trish, we've got a spicy topic coming up next a little bit. (laughs) Um, We had someone write in just to say that they had heard about orgasmic birth or orgasmic delivery. Mm. Let's talk about it. What does that even mean? Uh, Well, it could mean a lot of different things, Morgan. True, (laughs) true. I think it could definitely mean like it was just an amazing, like mind-blowing very little pain type of birth Mm -hmm. for sure. Someone could say that was orgasmic because it was so amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I hear women say all the time, if I could just have birth again, like I don't necessarily want to be pregnant or have a, yeah, that was you Morgan. (laughs) But other women say that to me all the time. Like I just want to have labor and give birth because it felt so amazing. So Mm -hmm. we could definitely label that as more of an orgasmic experience. Absolutely. However, however, (laughs) there's more, there's more because there are definitely women who say that they feel an orgasm when they're birthing. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, all of the same muscles are being used. Mm -hmm. Everything is being, you know, all the pressure, all of the 
it might the endorphins, mm-hmm. you know, the oxytocin is just flowing, mm-hmm. you know, which by the way, all of those need to be flowing when you're being intimate with your partner and, and able to achieve an orgasm. Those things definitely need to be happening. Very mm-hmm. good, warm, lovely things, right? Yeah. So when a woman is birthing and she's feeling all of those things, especially the love, you know, of her very close partner is yep. with her and he's, he or she's, you know, is just with her and loving on her and, you know, it definitely could happen. Yeah. And there's videos that show it possibly could be happening. <laughs> right. You know, the sounds they're making. Um, and there's a book called o- Orgasmic Birth. You know, they have a, a Instagram, they have a website if yeah. you're interested in looking into it. If you have births that are not... Um, I don't want to say very hard because that's such an opinion, but that are somewhat easy, <laughs> that aren't very hard on your body, that your mental is just like, I'm game for this. Like I'm down to birth. You yeah. Know? It's a very good possibility that you could feel that feeling yeah. when you birth. And I want every mom that's listening, I want you to imagine when your baby was placed on your lap. Imagine that feeling. Just close your eyes and imagine when your baby is set on your belly after you've just birthed. Now, imagining that picture, think of the feeling. What are you feeling in your body? It's the best feeling in the whole world. Yeah. You are so happy. You are smiling and laughing and saying things like, did you see that? (laughs) I did it. I did it. And oh my gosh, baby, we did it. And there is never anything in this life that I would ever compare to that feeling. Yeah. You know, so if that's the way an orgasm feels, then I agree, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is a hot topic. I mean, no one wants to say that word or hear me say it, but, (laughs) or maybe you do, I don't know, but, um, yeah, it's a very real possibility. And I do in my class every once in a while, I compare intercourse with birth, you know? I honestly, I think to me, as you should. Yeah. It is something to be compared. Like you said, there's a lot of similarities yeah. going on, the yeah. intimacy with your partner during, like there's so many similarities. The twinkly lights, mm-hmm. the soft music playing in the background, the warm space, mm-hmm. the bathtub, the the warmth, the touching, mm-hmm. you know, your partner massaging. The you oxytocin. Know, yeah, it's very similar, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, you know, I've heard professionals say if they weren't there when your baby was being made, they probably shouldn't be there when their baby's coming <laughs> out. But, I mean, yeah, we need to have, you know, someone in the background maybe, if you want her to be there. <laughs> talking about a midwife. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, very, very similar. And if you can get there, mm-hmm. if you can create that space and mentally get there, your birth, I will promise you, yeah, will be quote unquote easier. Yes. Your yes. body will accept what's happening and let it happen so much faster. Mm-hmm. And so and that's what a, the doula effect is as well. Not that you would have a doula there when, you know, you're with your partner. Oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she brings that love and attention to you and care that you need when yeah. you're delivering that the trust you trust her because 
you know that she knows she's mm-hmm. felt it she's seen it so much and when that trust of another human is in your space then you can let it happen too so absolutely so yeah i mean it's just how deep do you want to go with it you know yeah. in our society we don't want to get too deep on a lot of things most people don't true we just want to be surface with a lot it's easier to be surface it's easier and less rewarding true yeah i've heard um discussion about orgasmic labor too just meaning going and having intimate moments with your partner where you're having orgasms during labor (laughs) and I mean do whatever you can do but that's gonna like you said that's gonna make everything a lot easier it's gonna make your oxytocin flow it's gonna make you know yeah yeah every once in a while when we have a stalled out labor I'll just have like a thought like we need to leave them alone Mm -hmm. not that they're gonna have sex you know but but just have intimate moments with each other exactly and telling her how much he loves her how proud of her that he is and how powerful she is yeah, how massaging, capable yeah yes. massaging the very very sore parts of her body you mm-hmm. know and just that love and trust can take a woman from being at six centimeters for four hours to fully dilated like let's go you know 20 minutes exactly yeah yeah and it's you know that can't be just created because we said it needs to be created it needs to be obviously authentic and very organic but it is possible 100 percent. it comes back to the mind being so powerful Mm -hmm. what are we doing to facilitate our our mind being comfortable and our mind allowing our bodies to do what they're gonna do and what they're supposed to do right so Anyway, we got to do the work, go, whatever that looks like. Go look like. into that if you're interested. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To wrap things up, we have had a few more submissions that are very similar. We have had uh, just talking about pain tolerance. Mm-hmm. So we have one submission say only women with a high pain tolerance can birth unmedicated. False. Absolute false. Absolute false. I, I can say that from personal experience like I don't have a high pain tolerance Mm -hmm. and I when when I've heard I've had a lot of people say that very thing to me like oh that's really great that you did that I could never do that I have a really low pain tolerance it's almost like offensive like oh you think I don't know it's not offensive but that's not what it's about it has nothing to do with your pain tolerance and it has everything to do with how your mind is able to accept what's happening in your body exactly because most of the time a woman will give up or be scared because she's imagining a baby coming through her vagina and feeling scared about it yeah and and that's a very very normal thought process like the logical mind is like this is scary I don't want to do this right you know but if we can let that logical mind go and just accept it with love I mean (laughs) it's not like Morgan said before it's not pain it's pressure yeah you know and it's it's not about that it's about your mental so it has nothing to do with pain tolerance the other the other submission said um that she works in the healthcare field and that she heard a lot of moms say things like this i'm getting an epidural because i don't want to have mental trauma from labor um and and that's kind of along Mm -hmm. the same the same thing is you you don't have to have a high pain tolerance and or natural birth isn't traumatic it isn't necessarily super painful and a a really traumatic scary thing it can be 
Absolutely, sure. it can be. And I'm sure that she, whoever said that to this nurse, had the narrative that it was a very scary, very painful thing. Exactly. Like you'll hear people say, it hurts so bad, even with the drugs, just make sure you get so many drugs. And so if we have that in our mind, we're not letting trust and love take over. Mm-hmm. We're, our mind is the only thing that matters and we want our mind to be okay and we don't want to feel any of the pain. But that's not necessarily true at all. We need to consider that the medications could be what's part of the, the crazy pain that they're experiencing. Totally. Yeah. At least just to consider it <laughs> and of make course. the decision for yourself. Of course. Um, I mean, we, we have not read every single submission, but we've pretty much touched on all of, all of the topics that have been sent in. Uh, do you have anything to wrap us up? Any um, advice for people who are trying to deconstruct their beliefs? Of course, yeah. I would say write down whatever beliefs that you have. Write them down. Give them space in between for your research and start researching that belief, Okay. And obviously do it on a, <laughs> a more crunchy level, meaning <laughs> maybe read um, Birth Without Fear, you know, if, if that's the main belief that you have. Or um, if your belief is about how a perineum will tear or whatever, read some research on how to make sure you can keep your perineum intact more. Like these are five things that you can do to make sure that your perineum isn't going to be messed with as much, you mm-hmm. know. So write down those beliefs and then do the work, do the research, talk to someone who you trust that maybe knows a little bit more about birth, not necessarily, I don't know, your mom that maybe doesn't know. And then she's just going to say, that's scary, you know, so don't do your research with people that are going to um, piggyback on your belief, but maybe someone who has a different belief than you, Mm -hmm. because a belief is just a thought process that we have about something that isn't necessarily true but man we put a lot of belief or a lot of faith and hope in that thing that maybe not is not even true exactly so find something that counteracts what your belief is and you might be able to let it go altogether Mm -hmm. you know so that's what I would recommend for anyone and you know um Morgan has set up on our Instagram to DM us or send us an email if you want to be more personal of any questions or any thing that people are wanting to hear more about or you know let's break the belief on a specific topic we'll do a whole podcast on it you know so we just want women to know that you know the way that they might have in their mind right now might not be the only way yeah there's a lot of other ways absolutely I for me I think that having an open mind is a really crucial part of life Mm -hmm. not to say that every thing every time you challenge a belief of yours that it's going to change. That's mm-hmm. not true. Mm-hmm. Um, to to do the research and to look into things doesn't always mean that you're going to change your mind. But having an open mind will allow you to progress as 100%. a human being. And um, that's, that's what we're here to do is to progress. And yeah. really, we want everyone to have good experiences. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean, I have a really strong desire for that. I I would love for every single person in the whole world to every single person that will be experiencing birth to have a beautiful experience. And that can't happen until we start to to change some things and to question our beliefs. So 
Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. We're eternally grateful to the Southern Utah Birth Village for their support. Like Trisha said, let us know if there's anything that you would like to hear about or if there's anything that you think that we should address. We would love to keep you guys involved as much as possible. We're so grateful for so many submissions from you guys. Maybe we'll do something like this again someday, but check us out at the Birth Village Podcast on Instagram. Email us at thebirthvillagepodcast at gmail.com. Tell all of your friends that they should be listening to this podcast. (laughs) And why don't you sign us off, Trish? Empowered women, empower women. Thanks, guys.